0: Bono Year of Galer! My name is Owen Carey. Welcome to my Senior Times podcast series. Today I'm delighted to be talking to Anne Riesel. She is Director of the Limerick Age-Friendly Programme. There are age-friendly programmes throughout the country. Limerick is just one example. And when COVID visited our shores this year, it created all sorts of new challenges for those age-friendly programmes. We'll be talking about the response to those challenges and what they've taught us. Anne is very experienced in this area. She's traveled across Europe and spoken at conferences on it. And I'll also be teasing out where Ireland stands and what our experience can teach other countries. It's been a challenging year and even before 2020 arrived, Limerick Age Friendly had a lot of programs in place to involve elderly people, to involve the older people, get them involved in the community, watch out for things like health and their connections. 2020 brought a whole new set of challenges, Anne.
1: Yes, it did, Owen. Um, And I suppose Limerick was no different to anywhere else across the country. We were plunged into this COVID crisis in early March and it was very much a case of uh, feel our way in terms of what we needed to do and to act
0: as quickly as we could to support those who were most in need of our support at that time. What did you think in February when you first started getting word that uh, this virus was spreading and might be a landing on our shore? Actually for me it was quite unusual
1: because I had been abroad presenting at a conference And the conference was on in Oslo. There was no mention of COVID in Oslo. They weren't the slightest bit concerned about it. I landed back in Ireland and sat into my car and drove to OMA because I was presenting at a conference in OMA the day after. And when we got to OMA, there were what I'd call hushed conversations at the tables about COVID and what was it going to mean? And, you know, what it was, how it was going to impact our older people. So we came back home and a week later, we were in lockdown. So we were very lucky in Limerick that we had an almost immediate response. So what had happened in Limerick was there was a group in Limerick called Livable Limerick who had set up, in conjunction with Limerick Leader, a website where people could volunteer time to help somebody who needed help in in their local community. So somebody would contact the website and say, I live in Brough in County Limerick, if anyone in Brough needs help, I'm available from five to seven every evening. Very quickly, that grew and grew and grew to the point where mid-March, we had a meeting in Limerick City and County Council of Livable Limerick, the Limerick leader, Limerick GAA and the Siokana, and we decided that we needed to put some structure around the volunteering that was naturally occurring across Limerick city and county. So within a very short couple of days, we were tasked with setting up Limerick COVID-19 community response. And that took the form of two separate things. We wanted to focus on people who needed support and focus on people who wanted to offer support. So we set up a call center, that was set up out in the GAA Headquarters in Castle Troy. That was manned by volunteers on Garda Siakana and staff of Limerick City and County Council working together. We set up a free phone number 1800 832 005 and that ran from 8 in the morning to 8 in the evening, seven days a week. And anyone who needed support could make the phone call into that number And their call was processed and somebody dealt with whatever their issue was. It might be that they needed groceries collected or that they needed a prescription collected. Or in some instances, it was somebody who was feeling quite vulnerable with all of this change that had suddenly been thrust on them. And they just needed somebody to explain it to them, to talk them through it, advise them about what was happening at national level and at local level in Limerick. So aligned with that, then we had loads of people contacting us saying, I'd like to help. I'd like to help. So we set up a volunteering pathway as well. And we ended up with 1800 people volunteering to provide supports to those who were shielding from the virus across Limerick City and County. And that continued and continues to this day. We still have that support network in place. We mainly base it through the 100 GAA clubs that are across Limerick City and County. They have identified in each GAA club a single point of contact for us. So if Mary phones in and she needs her prescription checked, we contact that person in the local area and they in turn will contact the local band of people and one of them will provide the service that's required. How much
0: disconnect is there among um Elderly people? How disconnected have they become from the community? Because a crisis like this really tests um, how much isolation there is out there.
1: Yes, and isolation, particularly among older people in rural and sparsely populated areas, was one area that we were quite concerned about. But I think the government acted very well in that they didn't focus their campaigns and their advertising on social media solely. They printed leaflets. They put them through the letterbox of every house in the country, which meant that people were number one, informed regardless of their view of technology and being connected digitally to the world outside their door. They had things like ads in newspapers, And the local post office and the local postman were delivering newspapers to people at their front doors. So there were a range of ways in which people could be kept informed. We've worked at local level here in Limerick, and I know from my age-friendly work that in all 31 local authority areas across the country, we have age-friendly programme managers who are doing similar to what I'm doing in Limerick. So it was a range of things. It was peer-to-peer supports that were put in place to help people get themselves set up so that they could do a Zoom call, for example, and talk to their loved ones in Australia or in uh, the neighbouring village or whatever. But because of COVID, they couldn't now come to the front door and visit mum or dad or that elderly relative. Our libraries played a huge role in keeping people connected uh, by providing the borrow box which meant that older people could still access their library service. They could still get books, the books they could call and collect them at the door of the library. They could have them delivered out to them by people from our support network. And we helped people stay in contact that way as well. So we tried a variety of ways to keep people contact, in contact with each other and with what was going on with regard to COVID and, and the changing landscape that we were all in.
0: Our health service is here for you this winter and we're taking every step to protect you from COVID-19. Our services are open and working, from routine appointments to urgent care. Remember to check your prescriptions and keep a list of your medicines handy. And look out for your Keeping Well This Winter booklet in the post. Visit hse.ie or call HSE Live on 1850 24 1850 for more information from the HSE. We didn't expect this to go on for as long as it did. Uh, There is an element that the first lockdown, everybody was feeling their way. Did the set of challenges change um, as the year developed and uh, different types of measures came into place?
1: Well, I suppose they did to a certain extent because in the early stages, it was about getting food and meals on wheels. And prescriptions and things like that to people who were now locked behind their front door. But as time went on, the focus changed to keeping people engaged, keeping them occupied um, and providing them with activities that they could do within their home and that they didn't have to go outdoors in order to do them. Because for a lot of people, they were being cautious and staying indoors and avoiding contact with people for a period of time. So from that point of view, I suppose probably the first two months or so, we were solely focused on the support for the essential items. Then we changed our focus and we started looking at the activities. So in Limerick, we ran a number of activities um, where we focused on, for example, physical health, mental health activities, We sent out care packs to older people who were cocooning at home um, and shielding from the virus. We sent activity packs out to children because if you remember at that stage all of the schools were still closed. Children had been at home for a number of months with parents who were you know really struggling to try and keep their children occupied. So we sent out activity packs to the children we put in place a peer-to-peer support service, so a, a, a call line, and anyone who phoned in to the 1-800 number was asked the question, would you like someone to give you a call from time to time, just to check in, have a chat, see how you were, not to discuss COVID or anything of that nature, a chat and a how are you doing today. So we set that up and the members of our Older People's Executive in Limerick ran that themselves. So it was an older person contacting an older person to talk to them about how they were doing today. Were they struggling? Were they doing okay today? Would they like a call tomorrow or would they like a call next week? So there were some of the things that we set up in kind of two to three months down the line to support our older people.
0: What uh, are the older people doing for themselves? Because they're quite a resourceful bunch. What have you seen happening in terms of the actions that people took themselves uh, to uh, ease themselves through this pretty large uh, crisis? To be perfectly honest, they've done a huge variety of things.
1: So, as I said, in Limerick, we set up the peer-to-peer support phone line and we had members of our older people's executive phoning other older people we set up a peer to peer support group in terms of the borrow box and getting connected digitally to the borrow box because it's an online system and we put older people showing other older people how they could connect and use their library service um in other counties they did things for example like um in donegal donegal have a beautiful choir called the choir of ages and they have people in that choir ranging in age from like six years right up to somebody that's in their 90s. They were very active prior to COVID. So when COVID hit, they could no longer meet as a large group to practice and that kind of thing. So what they did was they went online and their musical director, Veronica McCarron, was able to do the sessions online with them. And they were still able to connect with each other by using a very simple version of Zoom um, where they could all be brought together to, to practice. Um, other counties did other initiatives where they um, they ran a radio program, for example, where older people in, I think that was in Cavan and Monaghan area, they were able to talk to older people and explain to them what was going on. One of the other things we did in Limerick was we launched a book called Remembering Yesterday, Living Today. And the book encouraged older people to recount their life story. Um, put in information about their ancestors, their mom, their dad, their brothers, their sisters, and to record those details, put in photographs, talk about when they were at school, the games they played as children, and kind of to build a picture of the life that they had lived so that they could give that book to their son, their daughter, their grandchildren even, for their grandchildren then to be able to talk to them about what was in the book and ask them, you know, Granny, can you tell me about the game, what's hopscotch or whatever, and that they could talk to their children and and have that engagement with
0: them. Were there little surprises there, Anne, for even people who have been uh, seasoned in working in this area that arose during the summer that you didn't expect or that you might put in place for um, ser- serious events like this in the future? Absolutely. So the first thing that older people, and
1: particularly the older, older people kept saying to us, they kept saying, this isn't the first crisis we've seen our way through. We had lots of other things throughout the years. There was a financial crash in the 80s. We had um, difficulties in the 1960s, and we had World War Two, and we had... And they were listing off all of these other crises that they had all manoeuvred their way through and had come out the far side of it. And they all kept saying, and we'll get through this as well. And we'll see our way through this. And in a couple of years time, we'll be looking back at it saying, God, do you remember when? And I think that resilience was what astounded us most of all, that they were Obviously upset at being cut off from family and friends and their normal routines, but they very quickly learned to adapt to that based on how they had adapted to previous crises that they had faced over their life terms. And that was, it was, for me, it was amazing to see that they were so resilient and so strong and so accepting of what was coming at them. And it was kind of an attitude of this too shall pass. And that was amazing for us. But some of the things that they did say to us was they they wanted to be kept engaged. They wanted us to keep talking to them, keep contacting them, letting them know what was happening, putting new initiatives in place to keep them, um, I suppose, to keep them active, really, whether that be um, physical activity programmes, mental health programmes, and to
0: regularly update them on what was going on in the community at large. Anything that might have been done differently that you look back and you'd say um, we had a good volunteer program in place. We had the points of contact, but the system came under pressure. Is there anything that you say would have uh, been swept up and uh, looked after a little bit better in, early in this crisis? To be
1: perfectly honest, I have to say no from our own perspective I think the government came in at a very early stage when we went into lockdown. Within two weeks, there were leaflets in through the front door of every house in Limerick and the entire country, which was no easy feat to organise. I think that there were unparalleled levels of support and collaboration as well across the various sectors. So, for example, the government press office got their poster ready and everything was great with that. But then on post and all of the post people across the country stepped in and ensured that every household got delivered in a timely manner. And I think there was that level of connectivity for us. It was the Gardaí coming on board the way they did. The GAA coming on board at, at right across the county and giving us the level of support that we couldn't have hoped for or dreamed for. The outpouring of support from the volunteers who came on board I mean, 1,800 volunteers in a county the size of Limerick was huge, absolutely enormous. And we still have those 1,800 people to call on today if we need them. They're there for the foreseeable future. The structure we've put in place is there for the foreseeable future. Our phone number, the one eight hundred eight three two zero zero five, 832 5 is still the point of contact if you need support. Somebody will take your call. You'll be dealt with in a very pleasant manner and they will either deal with your query there and then or pass you on to another service who can deal with your specific requirement. And that's in there. That's there and in place for however long we need it.
0: Winter brings a whole new set of challenges. The evenings are now dark. What should we be doing now and what are we looking forward to when the longest day of the shortest day of the year, the longest night of the year pass through and the Kush Game Quillock, the little step in the evening of daylight starts returning again.
1: It was one thing that we wanted to focus on as well. Um, we were facing into the winter months when the second lockdown was announced. We were very conscious that the first lockdown, the evenings were getting longer. The days were longer. It was easier for people to go out and have a walk around the garden and get that little bit of fresh air and that exercise for their physical and their mental health but facing into winter gave us a whole new set of circumstances to deal with. So in Limerick, we set up a scheme called shortening the winter, focusing on the fact that the 21st of December is the shortest day of the year and that the clocks would be going forward an hour at the end of March. So what we've done is we've put in place a series of events that will run one each month for the months of December, January, February and March. So in December, we sent 2000 Advent calendars out to people who were shielding from the virus across the county that was accompanied by a letter of acknowledgement and thanks from the mayor of Limerick, Councillor Michael Collins, and along with that, a calendar for 2021, an age friendly calendar to get them focusing on the new year and what the new year was going to bring for people across the county. So then after Christmas, Operation Transformation, which everybody will know about from the TV every year, will be launched in January. And we're doing um, a pack going out to our, our cocooning people around physical health and physical well-being. So we're partnering with Limerick Sports Partnership with that to send out a book with exercises that people can do within their own home or outdoors if they wish. We're going to send them a little gift from Age Friendly by way of a high-vis jacket so that they can actually get out and take a socially distanced walk. There's a hat to keep their head warm and that's the month of January. In February, we're focusing on minding your mental health. So we're calling it Minding Your Mind. So we're going to send out a book um, that was written by an older person called Bob Gilbert in Cavan. And Bob wrote the book while he was cocooning from the virus himself. And it's short stories, poetry and that kind of just lighthearted stuff. Um, And we're going to send them out the book. And with the book, we're going to send them out some tea bags and some coffee so that they can take a break, sit down and make the cup of tea or coffee, take out the book. And whether they read just one page of it today or they read the entire book in one sitting, they just take that little bit of time to look after their mental health and make themselves aware of their surroundings and aware of the importance of taking time for themselves.
0: Have the community discovered and connected with their own elderly? Have you noticed a change or sort of a realignment in our society where elderly people are being connected with and as you pointed out earlier not just in the terms of their own vulnerability but in the terms of their own durability and the wisdom they can bring us uh, in the state of flux which was visited upon the world this year
1: yes i would say that i suppose from my point of view if i look at it in terms of the number of calls that were coming into to our call line during the first lockdown we had high levels of calls, lots of people requiring support. And to look at the calls that are coming in during the second lockdown, the numbers are much lower because the local networks have kicked in. And instead of Mary ringing our free phone number now, Mary is now ringing the local person and saying, Paddy, is there any chance you'd stop and get me the newspaper and drop it in the front door to me when you're passing? and that. That local connection is there now instead of that more uh, that more anonymous support, I suppose, that was there during the first lockdown. So yes, there are greater levels of local connectivity than there were during the first lockdown. You deal
0: a lot with this uh, question at international level. You're closely connected with what's happening in other countries. Is there an example out of Ireland that is of international significance as to how we have engaged with uh, our elderly in bringing them through this crisis?
1: Every country has done things slightly differently. I don't think there are two, any two countries that are a mirror response in terms of COVID. Um, I'm part of a research group actually at the moment who's examining exactly what you're talking about. And we're looking at examples of best practice from around the world in terms of a response to COVID and in terms of that community response. So, I mean, anyone who watches the news will know that um, the likes of New Zealand and Australia have had an extremely strong response to dealing with COVID in terms of lockdown and how they managed to deal with it. There's a wide range of activities going on out there In Ireland, even among the age-friendly programs across the country, there's a wide range of activities going on. And I think the best thing we can do is keep watching what's going on at international level and where there are elements of good practice or best practice, try and incorporate them into what we're doing here at local level. Um, It's very difficult to pick one over another because they all have um, their positive traits in terms of what's going on in their own particular country. I think we've done a very, very good job here in Ireland. We have been uh, held up as an example of best practice in terms of how we've dealt with it as a country and how each county has dealt with it within their own, own administrative areas. So I think, yeah, we've done fairly okay. I'm sure there are people who say we could do better. And I think no matter how well We try, we'll always miss something. The whole idea is we try and look at what we can do to make people more comfortable for however long we have to deal with the virus and we engage and keep engaged with the people who are shielding from the virus and try and support
0: them as best we can. Thank you, Anne Rezo, from the Limerick Age-Friendly Programme, home, of course, of the All-Ireland Hurling Champions. Thank you very much for a very, very interesting interview. Thank you, on.: I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Over the coming weeks, I'll be doing other podcasts. Many of them are in the area of travel, how we can safely reconnect with the world, with the places we want to go and the people we want to be with over the coming months and year. And also, old-fashioned travel advice, which hasn't changed because we can never get enough of that. Thank you for joining me. I hope you listen in again soon. And remember, check out for other Senior Times podcasts.